0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's Audio Sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us.
1: Our Lord God Almighty, we acknowledge that you're our Lord. You're the great God. You're the maker of heaven and earth. O King of the world, O healer of our soul, we we come today and we we worshiped, Lord. We've sung songs to you, remembering your truths, remembering who you are, remembering what you've done, and we've sung songs pleading with you to heal, pleading with you to move in our lives, pleading with you to change our situations. Lord, we've met you at the table. Um, We we have been reminded that you made us your people, that you made us your family, not through our works, not through our goodness, not through our righteousness, but through the sacrifice of your Son on the cross. We thank you for purchasing our pardon. We thank you for rescuing us and redeeming us, reconciling us to yourself, Father, through Jesus' death on the cross, his shed blood. We worship today remembering that we're part of the family of God, redeemed, rescued forever. And Lord, we just sang some songs where we, we acknowledge we need healing from you. We acknowledge we need your grace in our life. We acknowledge you, we need your rescue, your deliverance. But we acknowledge also in those songs, that Lord, we, we need you more than anything. We need you in our lives, Lord. We need you to reign over us. We need you to rule over us. We need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. We need you to save us. God Almighty, you are the rescuer. You are the deliverer. You are the savior. We worship you this day. Fathers, we continue our worship through opening the word of God. We ask, Lord, that you would speak. We ask that you would Speak to your people whom you have redeemed. Speak to your people whom you have made. Speak to your people and convince us of who you are and what you're all about. And call us again to be your worshipers. Whether healing comes or not, you are the Lord. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please open your Bibles. Gospel of Mark. Chapter 5, verse 1. Gospel of Mark, Mark, chapter 5, verse 1, please. May God bless the reading of His Word. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there, was, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. for He had often been bound with shackles and chains. He retched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And pause there, please. Last week, we looked at a passage where Jesus left his home base, basically Capernaum, where he preached and where he taught, where he rested. Uh, on his journey through Galilee, uh, he was often in Capernaum. Amazing things happened in Capernaum lives were changed God was glorified for some reason we saw last week he decided that he was going to move away from that region for a moment for a season and he told his people uh, his disciples let's go across the lake and they moved towards this place the region of the Gerasenes now don't know why he went there we know that everything Jesus did was intentional doesn't tell us why he ended up in a unclean place, why he ended up in a dark place, why he ended up in a Gentile place, why he ended up far away from the people of Israel place. We remember last week that on the way to the region of the Gerasenes, there was a murderous storm that arose. And we looked at some hints or some highlights perhaps or some suggestions or clues that Satan was in the mix, trying to kill Jesus, trying to swamp the boats. Usually it takes about two hours to cross the lake, from the northern side of the lake to the southeast uh, part of the lake. a two-hour trip. We don't know how long it took after the storm. But he shows up in this place of cemeteries and death and hopelessness. You've, uh, you've seen these scenes before. Living in modern America, you can't avoid them. Just a few weeks ago, in front of the building uh, down by the library, uh, I can't remember the name of the building, there was a guy uh, pretty much naked on the street, um, totally out of his mind, screaming and scratching and yelling and broken. And uh, it looked awful hopeless to me. I don't know where he'd been, I don't know what he'd gone through, I don't know what he was on. I don't know where his mind was, I don't know what his uh, hopes were. I don't know what he was thinking, I don't know what he was dreaming of. I don't know where he was planning on ending up. I saw in that man sleeping on the sidewalk, I saw hopelessness. And you've seen it. You go to any major city these days, you go to any major uh, uh, urban area, you see it again and again and again. As you drive down the street, the people screaming out, the people scratching, the people tearing themselves apart, the people without any hope, without any future, so it seems. Oh, me a little faith. I've given up on them. I've looked at them as, as hopeless causes and without a future. We see Jesus show up to this place, a region. Uh, it's the region of Decapolis. Decapolis means Ten, ten cities. Uh, there's ten cities in the region southeast of the Jordan River. Most nine of the cities were south, southeast, uh, east of the Jordan River. Uh, one was west of the Jordan River, but, but they formed this alliance. There's independent cities, independent governance. They formed this protective alliance, this economic alliance to hold together. Uh, a lot of Gentiles there. There's a few, few Jewish, Jewish people there, but mostly Gentiles. And, and uh, the Jews said, unclean. The, un, the Jews said, hopeless. The Jews said to those people, there's no way they're going to be saved. There's no way that they're going to be in the kingdom. There's no way they're going to be alive forevermore. The Jews wiped their hands of them and, and, and kicked the dust off their feet of those kind of people. No way they have any hope. But they, Jesus arrives on the shore, and as soon as he gets out of the boat... Who comes and meets him? A man that was hopeless. A man who had no future. A man who had been isolated. A man who had been kicked out of his family, apparently, kicked out of his community. And, and it's an ugly scene. We understand why. Uh, his, his, his situation, he's living in the tombs, the, the cave tombs. Uh, in those days, they would dig out uh, caverns from the hillside or they'd dig out caverns from the stone, from the rock. And so a perfect uh, hiding place for the desperate and the, the abused and the alone, the demon-possessed. He's, he's in a place of, of isolation for a reason. Uh, they, they've, tried to, they've tried to restrain him before. And we don't. We're not told. Jesus doesn't. The, the Mark doesn't give us the picture of all the the background scenes. But we can imagine our mind in our country. How often have we restrained people in mental institutions? How often have we drugged people out of their minds to where they couldn't function anymore? How often have we tied people up and bound people for their own protection and for our protection? This uh, this man has been chained so many times and. And un- unfortunately, they can't find a chain strong enough. The, the demons within them, there's an there's a expression of power that comes from them and overwhelming all kind of human restraints. And so he's a scary man. He's not only isolated and alone. He, he probably for, we don't know how many years this has been going on. We don't know how many things have happened in the past. Maybe they tried to bring him into the family, keep him in the family, keep him in the community, but maybe he started hurting people. Maybe he started breaking things. Maybe, maybe they couldn't handle it anymore, so they, they tried to restrain him and, 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 and keep him from trouble, but he kept breaking. Maybe he kept hurting people, and so they drove him away. All alone in the boonies in the wilderness. And it just blows my mind that Jesus would take a, a trip. It seems like Jesus is taking a trip just for him. Why else would he land there? Well, While Sweetie arrived there, the, the towns are not on the lake. They're inland, eight miles. They're, they're, they're inland in, the, in, in, in the more the agricultural region of the area. The hillsides there are, not, are conducive to a lot of housing of, of the day or places to live in the day. So he lands in this isolated, desperate, unclean Seemingly evil place, and this man meets him. He, and, and He's isolating, he's alone. Uh, Luke's gospel tells us that a long time ago he stopped wearing clothes. Um, Mark's gospel tells us that he often cut himself with stones, and and uh, night and day, as people would go by, the fishermen or the, the herdsmen with the with the pigs or the other the other domesticated animals would be taking care of. Them. They'd see him sometimes in the tomb, sometimes in the mountain. He'd always be yelling out and crying out. Can you, can you imagine the living nightmare? I mean, he, this naked, bloodied, dirtied man running around, just terrifying people. It doesn't get any more hopeless than this. And here comes Jesus, and here comes the man coming up to meet him. You know, uh, in our days, of course, we were talking about it even this morning, how problems are a big part of our life. We can't live a problem-free existence in this world. None of us ever have, none of us ever will. Whether it be financial problems or, or economic problems, business problems, that whole category. Whether it be physical problems, sickness problems, emotional problems, mental problems. Whether it be community problems, neighbor problems, work problems, right? Am I making you depressed to even bring that up? It's just the problem's never end. But most of the problems, it seems like we get through it. We get through it practically or accidentally. We, we push through. We've learned to be tough. We've learned to be strong. We've learned to uh, rely on our resources or on our community's resources. And we make it through a lot. But maybe there's some here today. Maybe there's problems that you're looking at right now that maybe... You're identifying with this man, not, not in the same way, of course, but, I mean, we look at his situation and we, we just imagine his, his scenario, his setting, his, I mean, uh, he's given up, probably. You know, we, we aren't told in the Bible how, how much of a mind someone has when they're demon-possessed. Um, we're, we're not told how much volition he has or choices he has. But oftentimes it seems like the demon possessed or the demon oppressed, the the the, the, the demonized in the Bible. They are making choices. There is a there is a human volition there tied to the oppression of the enemy. And, and you can imagine his weeping and his brokenness and his his his. his he maybe some memories that he had as a child or memories he had with his family, and and they're all gone now. And in his lucid moments, in his in his in his their moments you know he's just broken and given up perhaps and maybe maybe you've come into that situation maybe there's uh, something in your life that you have just really said "I, I I'm never gonna get out of this I'm never gonna be free of this this chain is never gonna be broken these shackles are never gonna be breaking broken these 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 this thing is just not gonna let me go so Here's this hopeless man who sees Jesus arrive. And he goes to him. And in the language of the text, it's not, it's not certain who's acting. Is it the demon acting? Is it the man acting? And I choose to think it's the man acting. But maybe he's coming to Jesus. Maybe he doesn't even know his name, but he sees hope. He sees Maybe there's somebody that can help me. And he approaches Jesus. Is your situation hopeless? Is your addiction hopeless? Is your sickness hopeless? Is your mental illness hopeless? Are, are the things that grip you? Is it outside of the power of God to deliver? Or are you stuck? Mark brings these stories of power, the one we looked at last week. When Jesus caused the sea to cease its raging, when Jesus rebuked the wind and made it go still, Mark wants us to see that there is a God in our midst. He wants us to see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who is all-powerful, who can do anything, That there's no force, no enemy, no chain powerful enough that he can't break. Have you given up? Have you resigned yourself to bondage? Have you turned yourself over to an enemy that you can't defeat? I tell you that Jesus is able to save, no matter what comes against you. This man arrives, and the scene, the sight, the smell of this man must have been overpowering, always living in the wilderness. You know that he's in a situation where, man, his life maybe is not too much longer. I mean, how do you take care of yourself, how do you survive in the elements, how do you make it but he comes up to jesus verse six when he saw jesus from afar he ran and fell down before him so mark gives us a little more detail he's in the tombs he's on the mountain but he sees jesus and he comes running he fell down before him uh the King James Version and a New King James Version say that he worshipped him. Now, that's a very interesting translation. I don't think that's the best translation. He certainly fell down before him in a, in an homage sort sort of way, but not in a if if it's the demon that's running, it's certainly not the demon that's worshiping Jesus. Maybe it's the man who's fallen down before him. But crying out, verse 7, in a loud voice, he said, what have, you had to, what have you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And strangely enough, he, he, he swears by God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And again, and again, pause there. So we have this strange and, and, and incredible scene, and the hopelessness grows in one sense. When the man comes up, there's a discussion going on. When the man comes up, there's, this, there's this, this dialogue coming up, coming upon the disciples and the situation and the setting. It's like the, the, the demon when he says, what have you to do with me? It's basically saying, why are you bothering me? Why are you here? Why are you troubling me? And that lends me to believe that it's the man who's come to Jesus. Because, see, the demon is afraid of torment. The demon is afraid of judgment. The demon is afraid of wrath. He said, if you come to torment me, to torture me, some of your translations say. In other words, the demons know that one day, one day God in his judgment is going to send the demons to the abyss, send the demons to the bottomless pit, send the demons to the the lake of fire. And they're wondering right now, is this the time you're going to torment me? Is this the time you're going to judge me? Is this the time you're going to destroy me? And so I don't think think it's the demon running towards Jesus. I think it's the man who's demon-possessed, who's who's tormented and tortured. But when he gets there, the demon, he he has to confess his powerlessness before Jesus. Who is this before whom the demons bow? Who is this then? before whom the demons know that they are powerless before. Who is this then who beg not to be sent to judgment? Who who, who is this man who they are talking to? The demon confesses, you are the son of the most high God. Now, in the culture of the day, it's a particularly uh, well-stated well thing in terms of Gentiles. The Gentiles of the region, they had their own gods, they had their own powers, they had their own spirits that they worshipped, they bo- paid homage to, that they bowed down, down to. And so the Jews would often say, in the comparison to your, your gods, there is the Most High God, Yahweh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so the demons, they know who he is. You are the Son of God. You are the Son of the Most High God. Um, there is there, an encounter going here where the demon has to admit that he has no say, no hope. And strangely enough, the one who is tormenting, tormenting torturing the man, asks that in the name of God, he not be tormented or tortured. Jesus, uh, he, he, the, the demon's going off this way because Jesus asks him, Jesus Jesus ask him a question, what's your name? But before that, Jesus said to the demon, come out of him, you unclean spirit. Come out of him, you demon. Come out of the man. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's not a, a polite invitation. It's a command. And so the demon is reeling. The demon is, 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 is looking for a way out. He's looking for a scheme and a scam. And, and he sees the pigs on the, the hillside. He knows he has to go. He, he knows he has no hope. He knows he has no future in the man. And rather than perhaps being a disembodied spirit, rather than perhaps wandering the hills aimlessly. Uh, the, way that, the way that Mark talks about it, uh, he says that the, the demon says, uh, please don't send me out of the region. Luke goes a little bit further, and 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 Luke says, in in reporting this this encounter, this historical account, says that the demon asked not to be sent into the abyss. Now, there's there's some some wordplay there, because abyss means a a watery place, even a grave. And strangely enough, when the demons go into the pigs... A stampede starts, a terror starts among the pigs, and where do they end up? They end up in the abyss, in the bottomless pit, in the, sooner or later, the lake of fire. So there, there's more going on here that we understand. There's more going on here that we're, we're tracking with. There's more going on here that's told us in the text. But what you have to see, what Mark wants you to see desperately If you're hopeless today, if you're stuck today, if you're broken today, if you have no sense of a future, if you've given up today, is that God reigns, that Jesus rules, that Jesus has all authority and all power. Even the legion of demons within the man cannot withstand the command of Jesus Christ. In in Matthew's gospel, the way he talks about this, uh, the demons say, let us go into the pigs, send us into the pigs. And Matthew says, go, has Jesus saying, go. With one word, the king commands and powerful enemies are sent scattered, are sent away, are defeated. There's nothing in your life that Jesus can't heal. There is nothing in your life that Jesus can't defeat. There's nothing in your life that Jesus can't overcome. There's nothing in your life that Jesus can't deliver you from. He is the Deliverer. He is the Healer. He is the rescuer. He is the Savior. The Son of God. we make much of the pigs drowning. It's a you know, PETA moment. It's an ethical treatment of animals moment. Uh, people get frustrated at this moment. They're like, Jesus, come on. You know, you're supposed to be treating anim- animals humanely, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and of course, the Bible does teach us to respect life and treat animals humanely. Of course, we don't abuse animals. We don't uh, torture animals. We don't do anything like that. Uh, we're stewards of God's creation. We're, we're called to be uh, dominion over the earth and, and take care of God's creation for His glory. Um, but uh, this, this situation, some, some really stress out about the, the pigs dying. Um, but really, when you think about animals and you think about humanity, where's the comparison? A life was saved, a man was delivered. A person's eternal soul was rescued. I'll talk about that more in a minute. There's no comparison. The the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they look at this, they don't even think about the cost. And yet, uh, what we see in the community, there is frustration and anger and rage. But don't miss this moment. Don't miss this teaching. Don't miss this truth. When the storm was stilled, the disciples were like, who is this that can command the wind and the waves? And Mark wants us to see, who is this that controls all the evil powers? Who is this that has authority over demons? Demons. If he can control these things, if he can command these things, if he can overwhelm these things, what else could stand against him? Nothing. You look at verse 14, the herdsmen, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, and the one who had been, had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. They began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the yeah. demons begged him that he might be with him. He did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So the herdsmen they see this scene. The, the the people tending the pigs, they see this scene, and it's playing out in vivid color before them. And they 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 see Jesus with the with the demon-possessed man, and they, they knew there was gonna be trouble. There's new there's gonna be some issue. You know, they they all the towns have been talking about him. Everybody knew about his situation and the scenario, and they saw his power and strength. Maybe the man was gonna attack him. Maybe the man, and that's maybe some of the, the suggestion with the storm attacking Jesus, the satanically driven storm, and now this all-powerful, seemingly all-powerful man comes up to Jesus, runs toward Jesus. It looks like trouble to them, but then the situation changed. Jesus does something, and the pigs are running down the hill, <laughs> and, 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 and wow! And they, they run away, but they don't run away like, yeah! Man, a Savior's here! They run away in terror, and they run away in fear, because there's a power in their midst they can't control. There's a power in their midst that scares them to death. They run into the city, and they, they tell everyone what's happened, and the people have to come out and see. The story, And when they come out, they see Jesus waiting there. Now again, the, the, the incredible thing is, how far will Jesus go to save one person? How far, how far would Jesus go to rescue one man? The way the story is set up, um, the way the account ends, it's like he comes and he, he rescues this man, and then as they send him away, he goes and he's like, okay, done. But you'd think that Somebody's seeing such power displayed, like all the talking, like, oh, man, he's hopeless. He doesn't have any future. He's a dead man walking. He's a zombie. He's, he's out there. He's... They've given up on him, kind of like I've given up on some of the homeless people I've seen around Alamosa. They, they've, they've, they've written him off so many times, and yet they come to Jesus, and, and he's, he's clothed. He's not naked anymore. He's cleaned up. He's not bloodied anymore. He's sitting there in his right mind, You'd think they'd be like, wow, this is awesome. And that they're terrified. Now, there's probably some anger here. There's probably some frustration because a herd of 2,000 uh, of animals is probably a, a pricey loss. And so there's an economic loss that the community is facing. And back in a hand to mouth existence to lose that many animals, it probably means the community is in trouble in some way. They probably don't have a lot of savings. They probably don't have a lot of stuff in the bank. When you lose that livelihood, it's a tough thing. And maybe they're afraid because they're afraid of more of that happening. Maybe they're afraid because they're afraid of Jesus coming against them in some way. So they beg him. Now, did you catch that as, as the scene went on? The demon comes and begs Jesus to send him into the pigs. The people beg Jesus to leave. And then the man begs Jesus that he might remain with him and go with him. All pointing to the authority of Jesus. All suggestive of God's power and sovereign place in the world. The scariest, the, the, most, the most terrible thing ever and it happens again and again and again, is that the Savior shows up. The Savior comes in the people's midst. The Savior, people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They hear about a God who can save them. They hear about a God who made the heavens and earth. They hear about a God who uh, went to the cross, shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. They, they hear about a, a, a God who has a future for this world, who's redeeming this world, who's renewing this world, who's bringing a, one day a new age, a, a, a new earth, a, a, a new world. They, they hear about this and you think that like this situation, people would go to Jesus and, and they, they'd say, yeah, yeah, stay with us. We wanna be, we wanna, we want your power in our life. We wanna be, we want you to save us. We want you to be with us. But how many times over the centuries have people rejected Jesus? How many times? over the the seasons of all of human history and the different cultures, the different cities, the different towns, the different different, uh, uh, times in history, have people said, we don't want to be a part of you, we don't want anything to do with you, leave us. And we remember in the Gospel of John, chapter one, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And that's happened again and again and again, and what a terrible picture of losing life, what a terrible picture of entering into hopelessness when you send the Savior away. When you don't believe, he can rescue you. When you don't believe, he can save you. When you don't believe, he has your best interest in heart. When you don't believe in Jesus Christ. When you don't want to believe in Jesus Christ. When you don't want him in your life. When you want God's authority in your life. When you don't want him to rule over you and reign over you. Because you're afraid that he might control you or something like that. You send him away. That's hopelessness. That's terror. That's giving up. That's cutting yourself off from life. To reject Jesus Christ. To reject his rule in your life. To reject his his lordship over you. To reject his saving power. That's living death. That's hopelessness. So we see Jesus getting in the boat. We see the man coming up to him. He's been changed. He's been made new. He's been transformed. And, you know, it's a condensed a condensed account. You don't know all the conversations. While, while the herdsman went to the city, while the herdsman ran around, was Jesus talking with him? You know he was. You know that Jesus was spending time with him and, Helping him get cleaned up and helping him become restored and helping him understand life and who he was in the kingdom of God. I believe the man came to Jesus. I believe the man fell down at the knees of Jesus and, and maybe the demon took over and all those conversations happened and and, and but when the when the demons left, the man knew who who his savior was. When the demons left, the man knew who had saved him and delivered him and rescued him. And then the man, and this has happened throughout centuries as well, the man who had been saved, the man who had been delivered, the man who had been rescued, now he responds to the grace of God, the amazing grace of God, (laughs) the undeserved grace of God, saving a sinner, saving a broken man, saving one who had no right to salvation. Saving him. And the response is, now send me. The response is, now I give you my life. The response is, now I dedicate to you my life. The response is, now I will go in your name. Let me, let me come with you. I beg you. And Jesus had other plans. And I, I wonder in the sovereignty of, of God, I wonder in the <clears throat> omnipotence and omniscience of Jesus, when he said that other day, hey, let's go across the lake. I wonder if he had this plan in mind to see this man redeemed and to send this man out to his nation. A Gentile sent out to the Gentiles. A missionary preacher is born. What a great moment in redemptive history. What a great moment in salvation history. What a great moment in the kingdom of God as as an evangelist is sent in Jesus' name. But I had a question. As I read this text, it's part of a bigger story, isn't it? It's part of a bigger narrative, a bigger history, the history of the Bible. This man is not innocent. This man, as I said, didn't deserve to be rescued, didn't deserve to be saved. He overcame his hopelessness. He overcame his brokenness by trusting in Jesus and the power of God saved him just as the power of God can deliver anybody in this room can deliver anybody and save everybody but uh, why, why, why should Jesus forgive him? why should Jesus save him? how is this man saved? how is this man rescued? Um, when I look at this story and, and you step back and you see some of the themes This man's life is a picture of sin. It's it's a very ugly picture and a very broken picture. But isn't sin like this? Doesn't sin ruin? Doesn't our rebellion against God, our disobedience against God, our hatred of God, our selfishness and our self-centeredness, doesn't it end up in being dirty? Doesn't it end up in being naked? Doesn't it end up in being slashing and bleeding and ugly, heinous things? You and I are sinners. You and I are broken people. You and I have chosen to walk down paths of evil. You and I sometimes are become enslaved to idols, false gods that we worship. I look at this man and how could Jesus save him? How could, how could he make this man, the, the, the transgression there, or the, not the transgression, but the, the, the way it flows in the text is a hopeless man, Comes to Jesus, he's saved, and then he's sent out. How does that happen to a sinner like me, to a sinner like you, to a sinner like this man? How could Jesus forgive him? How could Jesus restore him? How could Jesus heal him? Now, in one sense, I've already said because he's the Son of God, his all power and all authority and all might, can save anybody, can rescue anybody, can overcome any problem. Any problem that you have can be delivered, you can be delivered from in Jesus Christ, if God chooses to. Now, I I do need to say that, you know, sometimes we come with our problems and sometimes it doesn't happen instantaneously, of course. We come to Jesus with our issues and our struggles and our, our hopeless emotional state or our brokenness. And, of course, sometimes the healing is progressive. The sanctification, the transformation, it takes time. Sometimes even God says no to our situation because he has other plans for us. Sometimes he allows us to suffer. Sometimes he allows us to go through hardships and pain and suffering because he knows it's going it's to grow us in some way or transform us in some way or make us more holy down the line. So, and so it, it's, we come to Jesus and, and we bring our problems, but it doesn't mean it always happens right away just like we want it. But why? Why? Does he heal the guy at all? And so that's where we get to the gospel. You see, at the end of his life, the reason why Jesus could heal this man, the reason why Jesus could deliver this man, the reason why Jesus could forgive this man is because Jesus at the end of his life, he became naked, he became bloodied, he became isolated, he became rejected by everybody He became thrashed. He became destroyed. He was nailed. He was shackled. He was placed on a cross as a substitute. He was able to forgive this man because he had already gone to where this man had been. He had already identified with this man in his shame and in his evil and in his sin. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned. But he became one who was, in fact, Counted as sin. He became the substitute on the cross. He became one who gave his perfect life in exchange for this man's broken life. He was able to save him because he knew that in a short time he would be going to that cross to shed his blood for this man's sin. To die in his place. To exchange his life for his life. And the Father accepted his sacrifice. The man's debt was paid. The man's debt was set free. He was justified in Jesus Christ. A great exchange took place. And so this story fits in the bigger story. God has come into this world to save and rescue. And he comes to save and rescue by saving sinners, by redeeming sinners, by rescuing people who are trapped and shackled to sin, guilty and evil in the sight of God. And yet he comes to save hopeless sinners. And he did it through the cross. And so that big story of redemption, the big story, the, the redemptive story of the Bible is God is making everything new, saving those who are hopeless and lost, it comes down in this story, in this passage of he delivered him from his demon possession. And if he's done the biggest thing ever, saved us from our sins, released us from our shame, rescued us from the wrath of God, certainly he can rescue us from anything else. And Mark wants us to see this. Mark wants us to understand this. He's taking us in the gospel, Mark, when we went into Easter, we went into the Easter season. We went to the the gospel at the end of the book, how Jesus went to the cross, he died, he was buried, and he rose again to new life. He saves, he redeems. But right now, redeemed sinner, right now rescued one, right now saved one. If he's done that great thing to save you, he can save you from anything else because he wants to. According to his plan, according to his timing, according to his wisdom and his province and his sovereignty, he is a savior. If you've trusted him for salvation, if you turn to him to be saved from your sins and the evil you've committed, and if you've received rescue and salvation, won't you turn to him and trust him with everything else? If Christian, if you've given up on God taking you and saving you from this thing, it seems so hopeless. Don't. Trust in Jesus Christ to save you even from this. Call on Jesus to rescue you. Call on Jesus to deliver you. He is the healer. He is the savior. He is the rescuer. Will you trust him? Your situation, your situation is not hopeless in Jesus Christ. Call in the name of the Lord. Call in the name of the Lord. Call on Him to rescue you. Lift up that situation, lift up that circumstance, lift up that chain, and ask Him to break it. He can do all things. Nothing is impossible for the Son of God. Please, stand in His presence. Lord God, we acknowledge You as the One who has made all things. Lord God, we acknowledge You as the One who created all things. Lord God, we acknowledge You that You made us and created us. We acknowledge that You rule this, rule, this world and You are the God who saves. Lord God Almighty, we thank You for all the ways that you've delivered and all the ways you've rescued, all the ways that you've pulled people out and brought them to new life. And we pray right now for those. We pray right now for ourselves, for the things that are so overwhelming and we seem so hopeless about. We change our mind today. We make a decision to trust you with those things, Lord. We make a decision to lay these things at your feet and ask you to heal. And we trust you. Whatever you do, We know it's right. Whatever you bring about, we know it's right. Lord, if you choose to heal us today, we say thank you and amen. Lord, if you choose to wait 10 years, we say thank you and amen. If you choose to let us hold on to these things, even until you take us home, we say thank you, amen. Because we trust you to be our Savior and our Deliverer. We give you the praise today. Lord, thank you for letting us worship you today. Thank you for letting us acknowledge you. Thank you for letting us praise you today. Thank you for letting us glorify you today. You are so, so worthy. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Please go in the peace
0: of our God. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.